Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 399 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Joe, joined by Todd. Todd, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And Todd, I know uh, I may sound a little bit different, but I have my new glasses. Oh, do you miss your old glasses? No, I don't, because they're in a drawer uh, right next to me. The office drawer is the collection of all of my uh, old glasses. I think I've got like the last four pairs of glasses that I've owned. That way you can see how your eyes have regressed over the years. Well, these are like, they're mangled. Like, I don't, like, I think I eat my glasses. I'm not really sure. Well, one of these days, I'm going to tweet out a picture of one of my pet, like, one of my pens before I get rid of them from work. Because I have a ner- nervous habit of chewing on my pens quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it gets disgusting. Oh, I know. I've seen chewed up pens. They're not pretty. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't, I, that's one thing I will say is I don't chew on pens at all. Mm-hmm. That's not my thing. No, I, it's like I eat them. But, like, yeah, my glasses, I usually don't get the new pair until they literally fall apart. The last two pair, the, the last two times that I got new glasses was because they fell apart. That happened to me, too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, even though I'm two years over on a prescription, it's, you know, I get another two years out of these just to... Don't move my don't don't make me move my head suddenly. <laughs> I get dizzy when that happens too. Uh-huh. Oh, it take my eyes have to focus again? They don't like that. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a bit of a light news week, uh getting into what we're gonna be discussing on the show this week. Uh we're just gonna kinda be picking and choosing through some of the notable things in the August solicitations. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bit of a light week on the news. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about uh, in the conventions this weekend, and I think I'm going to spring on Todd the new hot bit of what con would you rather. Ooh, I love that bit. Uh, digital sales and freebies, of course. We're going to look at some of the books that we read from this past week, which uh, is including Mighty Thor at the Gates of Valhalla and Batman number 47, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd's Art Attack, if we had any of those. Uh, we're going to dip into the mailbag, possibly, if we have time. And discussions, of course, of the penultimate episodes of both The Flash and Krypton. With a little bit of Krypton news to discuss as well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, let's get into the solicitations here, Todd. So, a lot of the stuff is happening over at DC. DC kind of had a big run uh, over at the solicitations, August is a five Wednesday month. So just like we had talked before, when they had a five Wednesday month recently of doing the re Hanna Barbera stuff, they're mm-hmm. doing the Looney Tunes stuff. Uh, the crossovers with the DC properties and the Looney Tunes properties. Is it me, Todd, or does it seem as though the Looney Tunes stuff gets a little bit better creative teams than the Hanna Barbera stuff? I would totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have a high bar to clear on Batman Elmer Fudd, but I think they can do it with one book. Uh, right. There's a bunch of stuff in here that certainly looks uh, interesting. The Lex Luthor Porky Pig special mm-hmm. uh, with that nightmare hellscape of a cover that they solicited. <laughs> the Daffy Duck Joker book uh, seems like <laughs> it could be a lot of fun. 
Right. Uh, the Harley Quinn Gossamer book, which is uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor returning to Harley Quinn. Uh, but for me, I think the one that's going to knock it out of the park is the Gail Simone uh, Catwoman Tweety and Sylvester book. Right, which I think has Black Canary and, uh, uh, yeah, Black Canary also, right? And Sylvester going up against, mm-hmm. going, uh, no, I might have it wrong. Right, Sylvester teams up with Catwoman and Tweety teams up with Black Canary. That is going to be a good book. Right, Catwoman's hot right now, they got a good creative team out there, and uh, who doesn't still have their Tweety Bird dressed up as a member of the NWO shirt like I do? Uh, everybody I know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so those are going to be some fun books. Those are always fun books when they do those crossovers. Uh, now, while those are some fun one-shots, of course, there's some books that are being canceled, of course, in August. And again, canceled, running to their natural conclusion. Um, Batwoman is wrapping up with issue 18. Uh, it is the creative team that has been on it since this iteration of Batwoman began, and then Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps is wrapping up with issue 50. Again, same creative team, you know, writer Robert Venditti on that book since this book was launched as part of, uh, the rebirth. So, Mm -hmm. are these books being canceled for low sales, or is it just like, these are the stories that we wanted to tell? I have a feeling... Batwoman is low sales Mm -hmm. because it only got 18 issues. Um, I don't know, but that's going on. We both read Batwoman early, really enjoyed it. And then I don't know what happened. I was like, I think it was when it started with the the future was involved with detective and they were bouncing like back and forth in the timeline stories. And I'm like, I don't like this book anymore. So I dropped it. And I think that's why I think Batwoman is sales, but where, Greenland, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps is the natural progression of it is because it's, it's 50 issues, which is literally in comics, four years of comics, you know, back in the old days when old timers like me and you used to get a book a month. Um, now they're double shipping. So, but I, I see, I see it as Venditti's, like, you know, that's naturally where he's going. I had four years of a story. I don't have anything else. So it's going to end. Um, and the, the, I actually, you know, sent this to you. Because of that, I have no problem with ending a book and renumbering and going somewhere else if it's like the whole creator's run and he's like, you know what, I'm done. Like that's a time to maybe start a book new, anew with a new number one with a new with new creators. I'm fine with that Um, because I think it hurts, especially with like you know over at Marvel when they're like, oh, when remember when they were doing the all new Hawkeyes and you couldn't keep track of it, but it was all the same creators. That's when it's dumb. Over here, if this is it and they're going to do a new, like, who knows, like a Guy Gardner book or a rotating Green Lantern Corps book where it's like, all right, this storyline is Hal, this storyline it's John, like they did back in the 90s with the Green Lantern book, um, I would be fine with it. Uh, I think there's a natural way to end a book and renumber it, and this would be the way. Right, and... and well, I'm sad to see the book go if this is the story that Venditti wanted to tell, then by all means, I'm glad he's getting the opportunity to tell the story. One, of course, you hear so many stories where a book was planned for however many issues and it gets cut off before they get a t- chance to finish it. Or as you had mentioned, it makes sense if a new creative team is coming on, okay, now here's the time to give them the new number one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you mentioned about Marvel, how Marvel rarely does that, and it's so tough to pin down exactly what Marvel is doing in situations like this. Because with Hawkeye, as you mentioned, it would be... Sometimes they would do it for the new creative team. Sometimes it's the same creative team. It's like, okay, well, six issues in, it's a new number one. For no reason, just because it's the beginning of a new storyline, well, you know, didn't we just get a new number one, like, six months ago? Right. But then, conversely, like, when Donny Cates took over Thanos... That could have been a miniseries, that could have been a new number one, but I guess both Donny Cates knew he only had the story to tell, Marvel mm-hmm. was not going to be doing a Thanos solo book after that, so they're just like, why bother? Right, I think it's it comes down to, there. you have to look at it and see how many, like, if, if uh, Venditti says, well, I have a four-year story arc, I can give you 50 issues, that's when you plan, well, when we do it over, it'll be a number one. If you only have, like, Eight issues, like, like Donny Cates seems to be like a guy who's like, well, I have these short stories. I have a Thanos story that's going to be only so many issues. And then I have a cosmic ghostwriter and something else. I'm going over to Venom. And it's like, all right, well, don't end Thanos and start over with the number one because he only has eight issues. We might as well ride that coattail and give it a, a longer run. But then when he goes to Venom, depending on how he sees how long his story is, that's when you decide whether or not you're going to end the book or keep, because if he only goes like four issues or six issues, then you might not want to start with a number one. You just might want to just give it mini series. I don't know whatever happened to those, but if he's like, I got a six and I'm like, yeah, we might want a longer with the movie coming out, an ongoing Venom book. I don't know if I'm making, you know, any sense, but it's, you know, you got to play, see how things play out. Right, well, you had mentioned, you know, Marvel is, we talk about Donny Cates, you talk about the Venom book, and we had discussed it a week or two ago here, they've already announced with the August solicitations that they're doing that one shot of the, essentially, Venom symbiote in Vietnam. Right, apparently with all the characters, they're going to give the, like, I think they're going to do one for each of the characters, maybe? Is Uh, it a miniseries or a one-shot? It's a miniseries. Okay. That's what I think they, that, that they said they were doing is that like each one's going to be a character or something like that. But mm. he's seen, I, I don't know. I think Donny Cates is interesting in the way he does things and sh- it shakes comics up a little bit. And I kind of like it. Again, he's, uh, he's poised to be like that next big breakout guy. And hopefully, uh, Marvel locks him down and doesn't let him get away and go somewhere else. You know, not for me. Because no matter where he goes, I'll check it out. But for them, I think he's I think he's on the Ed Brubaker plan. Is is what he is? Yeah, I really do. I think he's gonna be like, all right, I'll do Thanos. Give me Captain America. I was using stuff. He's like, then I'll do a little bit of this, and all right, I'll take that contract. Ed gets it. Ed image. <laughs> so it'll be very interesting to see that. But again, just the one last bit. You talked about miniseries and stuff over at. Uh, DC and in general, two new Brian Michael Bendis miniseries this is, were announced uh, in alongside his two Superman books. Of course, uh, one is a new book called Pearl. It's him and uh, Michael Gatos. Uh, again, it doesn't really matter what the book is about. It's a Brian Michael Bendis crime sort of thing miniseries. I'm getting it. You know, I just needed to know the date to write it down. Mm-hmm. And it'll always hit that date. Well, speaking of always hitting that date, the other one that got announced was a new number one for Scarlet, which will be the third number one for Scarlet, but the first one over at DC 
And it says here in this brand new reader-friendly chapter, and it's Bendis and Alex Maleev, so on and so forth. Um, hmm. Now, the other thing from last week, it does say that these two books are going to have digital redeem codes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked last week about that. We'll see how long that lasts for, if that's actually going to come to fruition. Uh, but I'm shocked to see Scarlet coming back so soon after the problems uh, getting published and getting finished that it had last time. There and it's being be solicited no, as a five-issue miniseries. There will be no problems this time. It will come out on time, and it'll be good to go. Oh, boy. Are we getting already too soon into overwhelming Bendis' workload? I think... I don't is think this stuff so- that he had in the can all ready to go at Marvel and just decided to be like, all right, we're just going to do it over at DC now, and it's ready to go? I, I don't think he's I don't think he's writing these at the same time. I think you're right. I think it's going to be Superman in action is what's going to be his ongoing. And then, well, how much did he actually do, you know, when he was when he was at Marvel with these? Like you said, he did like let's just say uh, Alias and you know Defenders. Well, you wouldn't get those books, the Scarlets and your your Pearls. So. See how often they come out, and then I'll tell you if he's oversaturating the market with uh, with with his stuff. Because also, it never really overshadowed his 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 Jessica Jones work or his Defenders or Spider Man or whatever he's going to do. Because these books are going to be low key anyway. People are going to be concerned with his Superman and action. So I don't see it, people going, oh, you know, that's too much. Well, so it's not that he's oversaturating the market with product. Um, I think it's more so the fact of. He himself overextending himself. And by that I mean, remember after, and again, to paint these two with the same brush, you'll see where I'm going with this. Um, When Kevin Smith did Daredevil, Mm -hmm. and he got the first six issues out, and then the last three issues took a little while. A little bit longer, and a little bit longer. And ironically, it was Bendis doing some of his first work at Marvel were the fill-ins on the late Kevin Smith Daredevil books. Right. So, the next thing that Kevin Smith did was Green Arrow. And I'll never forget from the interviews in it, he said, DC told me they would not solicit the first issue until I had the first six issues done. And that's exactly what happened, right? No. Well, that is what happened for the first six issues, and then the other issues came out a little bit later, a little bit later, a little bit later, but again, you know, they gave him an edict, and he kind of sort of stuck to it, you know, in that point, but what I'm saying is, maybe get, I don't know, three months of Superman under your belt, like, okay, yes, he's having the, the miniseries that comes out next month, and the two series, essentially a double shipping book starting in July, Maybe wait six months before we start putting out two other miniseries. Like you said, if he had these in, in the in the can already, Un- then... Unless he already had them in the can. Unless it's one of those um, uh, Kevin Smith things where it's like, okay, we'll solicit these minis... We'll solicit a miniseries if it's done. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I got two that are done. And we're like, all right, well, let's see. Hopefully that's what's going on here. And I we're hope having so. this conversation for, for nothing, but... We wouldn't be having this conversation if there hadn't been a precedence already set. Right. And now, do you think a Pearl Mini 
is better than a mini pearl? <sighs> Yeehaw! Now, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to just say that this is a story that I sprung on Todd at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have time to f- to workshop that joke. That was a fantastic joke, though. I didn't say it was good. Or, I'm not, listen, I'm not judging the quality of the joke, Todd. I'm just saying that you were able to ad-lib a joke. Right. Here's the way I look at it, you know. Sometimes you have to be like Bendis. You just have to put your stuff out there no matter what you're doing. <laughs> oh, man. Just throw it all out there. See what sticks. That's what I say. I like to fling it and see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. So the last bit of news, of course, from the Marvel solicitations, there's a bunch of new miniseries. This is, of course, uh, some sort of new big spider event that's being teased. It's like Edge of something, spiders, something. And again, we're three issues into the new creative team and we're already teasing a big crossover. They're teasing some sort of new X-Men thing already. And the solicitation text... For future issues of X-Men make it seem like the much-hyped-in-ballyhooed Kitty Pride and Colossus wedding might not happen as planned. What? Uh, but for me, outside of Fantastic Four, the book that stuck out the most for me was the new West Coast Avengers book. I'm a sucker for the West Coast Avengers. But I'm also a sucker for any superhero team led by Hawkeye. And that's what this book is. It's Hawkeye under the umbrella of West Coast Avengers leading a team of misfits. Sign Mm -hmm. me up. Okay, I've never been a West Coast Avengers guy, so. Again, I was a West Coast Avengers guy in getting, in becoming a Hawkeye completist. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even, you know, a couple days ago I was tweeting out all those, uh, the cards that I had, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The uh, the Marvel trading cards and everything. And even when the Avengers themselves were like a bit of the dregs, where right. it was like Cersei and Hercules and Black Knight were the Avengers, West Coast Avengers or Force Works or whatever they were calling it at the time, were the closest to a legitimate Avengers team that you could get because it had <laughs> Hawkeye on it. It had Iron Man on it. It had... You know, War Machine and Spider Woman and Scarlet Witch and you know people like that. So like, okay, that's about that's that's a little bit closer to an Avengers team than whatever's going on in the actual Avengers book, right? Um, but like I said, it's it's more so that it's Hawkeye, and this goes to, you know, I always give Hawkeye a chance whenever he gets a new book, a new number one, a new whatever it is, and the team has Kate Bishop Hawkeye on it. It has her girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever that guy, the tattooed fella on the book is. Mm-hmm. It has Quentin Quire, who was a delight in the Jason Aaron Wolverine and the X-Men book. Uh, it has America Chavez and Gwenpool. Now, I've never read a Gwenpool comic book, but I am a Gwenpool apologist and defender till the day I die. Right. So, this book, while uh, much decried because a lot of people don't like the team, I like that it's a goofy team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, and there's a book out there now that you tried, I think, and I was like, oh, and you, and you dropped off it, but as I'm reading it, it seems more and more up your alley, is did you try Old Man Hawkeye number one? I did, I didn't like the first issue. 
Right. Well, now I figured out what it what the premise of the book exactly is. Is you know how like the 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 villains rose up uh, to kill everybody on that that night and that changed everything. Mm-hmm. Well, since Hawkeye realizes that he's losing his eyesight, is he has decided, all right, I'm going on one more mission. We didn't know what that mission was. The mission now is he is hunting down every last one of the Thunderbolts and killing them for the betrayal that they did on that night oh. because they. Because they left him alive because they thought he was a nothing. And he's like, I'm going to show them that I'm not. And one by one, he's going and we're finding out where the members of the Thunderbolts are in this, like, you know, Mad Max world. And it's like, oh, Mach 5 or whatever he was called, who who was the Beatle. He's like, eh, and I'm here for you. And he's like, all right, let's do this. And he's systematically, while being chased by, you know, Bullseye, that he, he doesn't know it. You know what I mean? But I'm like, the more I think about it, I was like, you know what, Josh, I told Josh about it. I'm like, and I think now that I know what the book is, Joe would really like this. Ah, see, I'm a sucker for that Thunderbolts run, man. Right. That's why I bring, like, you know what I mean? I don't uh, push stuff that I think you wouldn't like, you know? Um, So that's why I really think you'd enjoy this. So that's the uh, the brief skimming of the news that we have there. And DC also announced the first issue of the Sandman stuff. And I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Uh, it's Neil Gaiman written. I'll try it. But I I say this all the time. that There's going to be four books spinning out of this. They're not going to be Neil Gaiman. Uh, Daniel Sandman isn't going to be in them. Uh, I always do this. It's going to be like uh, Zero Hour. There's going to be one good book in that in those four, and the, the other two might be okay, and one of them is going to be terrible, at least. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the way these things always happen. Yep. Uh, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll get that first issue, see how it strikes me enough to try one of the other things, because we're judging the other things just basically saying it's not Neil and it's not you know Morpheus or Daniel with Sandman in them. It's the other ancillary characters... You know, but sometimes those ancillary character books end up being okay, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I want Neil Wright and Sandman again, you know? Right. Yeah. So again, that's enough with our little smattering of news. Let's get into conventions this weekend. And Todd, there's three big time conventions happening this weekend. Oh, goody. And I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to ask you which one you're going to pick if you got to pick get your pick to go to one. I'm torn on which one I would want to go to. So, you've got Comic Palooza X in Houston, Texas. Uh, Mm -hmm. On your comic book side of things, Scotty Young, Mark Wade are going to be there. But it's a little bit more heavy on your media guests. But what media guests they are, Todd? John Cusack is going to be there. Uh, Kristen Ritter, star of the uh, Jessica Jones TV show. Mm Mm-hmm. Tom Holland, the current Spider-Man, is going to be there. It'd be a nice rib if at his first signing they just had like a little pile of dust there for him. But anyway. Oh. Oh, so bad. Oh, come on. So I, I don't want to go. <laughs> oh, I don't know what that's from. That's from Infinity War, nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more so, I think, to hit your uh, nostalgia points, Todd. Larry Wilcox... <gasps> and uh what's his face? Uh Estrada's gonna be there for the Chips reunion. Eric Estrada? Mm-hmm. And Jimmy JJ Walker is gonna be at that one as well. 
Dynamite! Mm -hmm. Now this next one, uh, the Phoenix Comic Fest in Phoenix, Arizona is a little bit more heavy on the comic book folks. Uh, but there's a ton of them. Uh, Brian Azzarello is going to be there, Peter David, Kerry Nord, Scott Collins. But not to say that the media guests are nothing to sneeze at either, Todd. Michael Rooker is going to be there. Val Kilmer is going to be there. William Shatner is going to be there. And Tim Curry is going to be there. Love Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. But in, at Megacon in Orlando, and actually I want to sh- throw this out there because super ultra mega mass listener to the show, Euronymous is actually going to Megacon this weekend. Oh, wow. So t- Tom, uh, Tom, Todd, if you want yeah. anything from the murderer's road that's going to be there for, uh, creators, Donnie Cates, Neil Adams, Greg Capullo, uh, Tom King, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Scott, uh, Scott Snyder, any of these folks, uh, Dan DiDio is going to be there. Uh, but on the media guest side of things, Todd. Right. Billy D. Williams is going to be there, I'm sure, for no reason with what's going on this weekend. Jeff Goldblum's going to be there. Mm hmm. Pee Wee Herman himself, Paul Rubens, is going to be there. Wow. The Penguin's father? Yes. <laughs> and from the world of sports and entertainment, Todd. Mm hmm. Shinsuke Nakamura. Right. Alexa Bliss. Right. And Mr. You Smell Bad himself, the man who's being sued by Ford, John Cena is going to be there. Oh, uh, are you going to mail Euronymous your hat to have him sign it? <laughs> no, I'm not going to mail him my hat. I think he's actually already en route to uh, sunny Orlando. But before you make your final decision, Todd. Right, right. I don't know which way you were leaning. But I do want to just bring out these three names that are going to be at Megacon. Right. And I think these three names might be enough to tip the scales. They might sway me. Frank Thierry. Right. Jimmy Palmiotti. And Amanda uh-huh. Connor. Boom. There's your panel. <laughs> there's your panel. There's me hanging out in the bar waiting to hang out with them after hours. Oh, boy. I got to hang out with them outside the con in Baltimore alongside them, Ethan Van Scriver and the late Darwin Cook. That was a, that was a night. Oh boy. (laughs) Ethan pushing Donald Trump and Darwin Cook having none of it. Oh, good times. Now I don't know. I'm just, they were the best. Oops, sorry. They were the best of friends, though, so, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Somehow, I don't know, but go ahead. They're all ribbing each other, having some fun. Yeah, they're having a gentle ribbing, so it was a good thing you weren't there. I can handle a gentle ribbing from certain people. Right. It's not that one guy. That's why I'm not going to C2E2. <sighs> don't say, not so fast, you never know. All right. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any, oh, they do have some panels and Q&As, but nothing announced. Uh, the... I just want to say this. The Megacon website is blocked from my work, so I didn't really get a chance to really (laughs) delve into it. (laughs) I hope they have a Facebook page that you get redirected to. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so yeah, Megacon would be the one for me, just for the off chance that I would get to uh, 
go to a uh, Jimmy, Amanda, and Frank, and whatever folks they probably brought with them to harass uh, panel. And that's the thing I would suggest. When the program or whatever comes out, if there is a uh, Jim Pamiotti, Amanda Connor, Frank Thierry panel, highly recommended. You will not have a better time at a convention than going to one of their panels. I wonder how my ex-wife from that panel is doing these days. <laughs> I don't remember her name. There was somebody, there was some, an extra person up on the, the panel. But either way. I'm not allowed, I, I'm not at liberty to divulge information, Todd. I just I'm just saying, I just remember that somehow in the back of my head. All right. But anyway. So the link to- Oh, sorry. I was, I was I was gonna pick a con, it would be the one with Carrie Nord. I want to I want a sketch from him. I would I would want a sketch I would want a Daredevil from Carrie Nord, but not nah, Megacon so I can go and go Conan, to the panel. Conan the Barbarian from him. And get my John Cena hat signed by John Cena. That is true. And he'd be like, this smells bad. <laughs> Doing the hand thing. Right. Your head sweats a lot. It Mr. does. Sposto. Uh, so the links to these conventions, of course, will be in the show notes, as will be information about the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-named-network.com. All the shows in our little conglomeration of like-minded individuals, whether it be episodes of this show, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, where we're going to discuss at length uh, Smokey and the Bandit 3. Who loved it, who hated it, and who uh, had maybe like three things he liked about it. Spoilers. Uh, also, whenever episodes of Podvocacy come out, Profane Arguments, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3. Um, I think those are the only shows that happen with any sort of uh, regularity. I know there's a Radio Free Cybertron Transformers show that Jason Kirk is now a permanent co-host of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everlasting Minute, the uh, minute-by-minute Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory podcast that Jason and David, the boys over at Podvocacy, do as well. Uh, so anytime any of those shows come out, you can find them over at soontobenamednetwork.com or soontobenamednetwork.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have some digital sales, of course, going on. Uh, a couple holdovers from the last couple weeks here. Uh, the sale on Deadpool stuff, of course, because it was a Deadpool movie. Now, Todd, being a terrible Ryan Reynolds fan, did not get a chance to go see Deadpool 2 this weekend. Shame! I had a full schedule, and I missed it. What's your excuse, Joe? I don't like Ryan Reynolds, and I only go to see that... I would only go see his movies if I lost bets. Oh... (laughs) Uh, so those sales are kind of held over from uh, a couple weeks ago. The Transformers uh, Shadow of Unicron sale is still going on. The Archie Riverdale tie-in stuff is still going on. Uh, Marvel is also having a sale on Star Wars-related stuff, again, for some reason. Um, based on the popularity of the new number one uh, by Donny Cates' Venom, there's a bunch of Venom stuff on sale. But the two big sales for me is Dark Horse All Ages stuff is on sale. And there's a ton of Balthazar and Franco stuff that's included in there, whether it be their Grimm's Island stuff, their Itty Bitty Hellboy stuff, uh, their Action Cat and Adventure Bug stuff, which is really, really fun, all-ages comics, uh, with lots of fun, cute in-jokes in them. And, of course, there's Plants vs. Zombies stuff in there. And, again, it's a video game-based property, but it's written by Paul Tobin, who does a great job on all-ages books. Uh, so I do recommend that. And uh, DC is having what they're calling a Memorial Day sale. A thousand titles, incredible stories, incredible prices. 
And it's the usual bag of stuff that they always have available on sale. Doesn't appear to be anything really new in there. It's mostly all, uh, it's over, it's a thousand different collections, a thousand different trade paperbacks. Um, so there is some stuff that's in there. Like you can get the, uh, all the Ed Brubaker pen Batman stuff. Ooh, I wonder if Gotham Central is in this. That might be worth your time. That is worth your time. If it's in there. If it's in there. Uh, there's a bunch of Superman stuff. A bunch of swampy stuff. Looks like the entire Jeff Johns Flash is in there. That's a good run. Mm-hmm. You can get his entire run for 24 bucks. That's a good deal. Hang on one second here. Uh, but yeah, it's a bunch of trades, like I said, um, is, yep, the Gotham Central stuff is all on trade, uh, all on sale. You can get the entire run, that same entire run of Gotham Central, um, for 24 bucks. What was the name of the, the secretary, or the temp? Who was the one who got to turn the light on? Yeah. Oh, jeez, I'm crow. Fantastic concept. One of my favorite things in comics. Uh, Stacy. Stacy. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her last name. I just remember Stacy. I think it was Mom. Stacy Mom. Stacy's Mom. No. It's got it going on. So all the links to all that stuff will be in the show notes as well. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. All right. You've rambled long enough. That's Um, true. I'm going to start with The Mighty Thor at the Gates of Valhalla, written by Jason Aaron, with uh, two stories. One was drawn by Jen Bartel, and the other one was by Ramon Perez. Uh, the first story is about the, uh, I don't know, they're Thor's granddaughters, I, you know, the Warriors Three, if you will, in the future. Uh, Frigg, Elsiv, and Atli, I think that's how you pronounce her name, and they've decided to uh, knock out Old Man Thor and find the the time diamonds, or as I call them, the time gem, but you know, you don't want to go that route because they're stones now. Beat uh, me to it. Right. But, uh, so they take those and they want to go back and see Thor and you're like, Oh, okay. They go and they do different things, but you find out what Thor they're actually looking for, which is Jane Foster. Who's at this point, you know, just Jane Foster again. She's doesn't have the hammer anymore. She's getting her cancer treatment. And they have a discussion with her. But the thing that I like definitely about this is pretty much reading this story. We figure out that this is not the end of the Jane Foster story. Definitely. Right. Because they totally imply uh, something else is coming. Um, and as we get to the other half of the story, I'll get to that. What like what is probably coming um, as we discussed the end of uh, Mighty Thor's run with Jane Foster was like, I was like, oh, I'm not sure because she was supposed to be the most tragic Thor. And it doesn't seem tragic to me, but I have a feeling now we know there's definitely more coming. And I think the tragedy is is yet to happen. And it doesn't matter if the tragedy is happening or isn't happening. As I always felt, the end of that was the second arc of the big storyline that Jeff uh, Jason Aaron is doing. And now this is definitely leading into the third and final act of what he wants to do. And that's at least another storyline away. Right. And then we get the second story, 
which is a Malekith the Dark Elf story, and it's him traveling from different realms uh, in, in the thing and discussing and having conversation with people. And of the villains, you know, I'm a Doctor Doom fan. I'm a, a Thanos fan, a Captain Cold. There's there's a lot of good villains. I have to give credit to Jason Aaron because every time he does a solo Malekith story, I love it because he he just shows how evil Malekith is. Just like walking around the Dark Elves like uh, village and he's just saying stuff and what he gets people to do by just throwing out mere lines. You're like, alright, you, you don't have to prove to me anymore how evil Malekith is, but Jason Aaron definitely does it. And in this story we find out that he's his plan is already to bring about the War of the Realms. And to me that's the, the, the big end storyline where I wonder if it's just going to be in this book or if that's going to be one of the next big crossovers uh, coming up because I'm hoping that it just stays contained in this book but knowing you know that I don't know when comics became a business but that's probably what they're going to do is make it the big thing if you know what I mean I agree uh, I'm not really sure what else more I could say. I would love to see the uh, Daughters of Thor Wars of Three miniseries. I would love to see more stuff of them on their adventures because mm-hmm. they are a lot of fun. I'm glad that Jane Foster is not completely done, just kind of being given a rest for now. Right. Um, that makes me very happy because I really enjoy what Jason Aaron did with her in the you know two and a half, three years that he wrote stories of her and. You, regarding Malekith, like, as you were saying it, you took the words out of my mouth. Malekith, when he is the forefront villain, you can't even say the sole villain, because he has a little bit of an interaction with that guy who runs Rocks and Chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been so many times where, and again, I, I can't remember his name right now, but that Rocks and Chemicals guy is the main villain, and Malekith is playing off him, as opposed to Malekith being the main villain and everybody else playing off of Malekith. When Malekith is the lead, he's great. But when he's just like a secondary, tertiary character in some other villain's plot, right? he feels less to me. I get you. So every time that he gets that opportunity to be at the forefront of a story, it's just he pops so much more up to the top of my list as a great Thor villain. Right. And like I said, I'm not comparing him to Doctor Doom or Thanos or Captain Cold yet, but he definitely has potential because of what J- Jason Aaron is doing. Pretty much a forgotten villain as far as I'm concerned. And now he's one of my favorite vil- like villains that I'm reading right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But yes, the only, the only complaint I guess I would have about this is that we still don't know how Thor gets his hammer back. Uh, I'm still good with it because that'll be in the next book. You know, he's in Avengers. I get it. It's like, as long as it's not spoiled for me, we knew it was coming from the cover of issue number one. Uh, I've said it before, so I'm, I'm cool yet with it. We'll see. We shall see my friend, but again, it was really good. I think the new Thor book comes out in just a few weeks, I think three weeks, maybe so. We'll get our answer there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Now, the other book that we read from this past week, it was a little bit of a light week, was Batman number 47, uh, written by Tom King with art by Tony Daniel. Uh, this is the end of the Booster Gold story arc, which was kind of the take on the, for the man who has everything, black 
uh, Black Mercy storyline from Superman, kind of the pastiche of that, where Booster Gold attempts to give Batman the gift of his parents not dying. Right. And, of course, then the ramifications that has on the entire of the DC Universe, Batman, Bruce Wayne, and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of the Tom King Batman stuff, sadly, I think this was the weakest of it so far. Right. It just didn't feel right, I guess. It didn't feel as though part of a major story. I think it was, he wanted to do something fun with Booster Gold. We could fit it in here. Eh, we could use it to pad things out so that the wedding issue happens in issue 50 and Bob's your uncle. Right. I agree with that, except for one small part where you're like, it just, you know, he wanted to do something fun. This doesn't feel fun to me, other than Booster being goofy booster my biggest problem with the story is i and you know i'm a i'm i'm a big booster supporter um it just it just seems so off to me like as i've said before for a guy who stole all the money out of jli coffers like you know nash uh you know international money to create a a casino on a on a living island somewhere i just think this is a stupid plan yes but it's just too cruel for, for, for Booster not to understand what he's doing. And, but there is something in the story that as it goes, I think it's going to be a little more than filler in that there's something going on with Booster at the end that I think it's showing that Booster's got some kind of breakdown going on. And recently Tom King announced that he has future plans for something with Booster Gold. And I think it's going to be that project where he was talking about, maybe it was called Sanctuary where it's basically the night nurse for, for DC heroes, but with psychological problems, where you go and you're like, oh, a planet exploded. I'm John Stewart. I watched a planet explode or a planet explode because of me. Well, I have problems now. I need to talk to someone. I have a feeling that this is going to be our first test case. Is Booster, like, there's a thing at the end where he's like, the, the blood won't come off my, my goggles. And you're like, there's no blood there, but you're starting to see booster kind of crack. And I have a feeling that this is where it's all going to come together is when Tom King does whatever that is, booster is going to be a part of that book. Right. I, I feel as though Tom King has a good booster gold story in him, mm-hmm. but I don't think this was it. Oh no, it's not right. I think it's in there. I just don't think this was the vehicle to tell that story. Right, I think this is the stepping stone for that story. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Time will tell. Right. So, that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get your books digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you wait for the trades, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed, know what's coming out. The two things that Todd and I attempt to do in the calendar year 2018 is one, guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week, and the other one is that running dollar tally of how much we've spent on comic books, less, of course, bags, backs, supplies, and boards. Hmm. Uh, I think I am still in the lead with one correct guess. Right. This is going to be a tough one. 
I'm looking at your list, Todd. And I'm going to guess, shot in the dark, taking a stab, Suicide Squad 42? It is not Suicide Squad 42. All right. It is Invincible Iron Man 600, the last of Brian Michael Bendis's Marvel work. The last, last. Much delayed, much whatever. This mm-hmm. is the end. I want to see if they do anything with Victor in this to see where it's going. And he left some dangling plot lines in the last issue. So. Right. Um, so I'm looking over your books. Is the same thing you're looking forward to? Invisible Iron Man 600? It's. Um, for the very much same reason that you are. Um, interested to see how things get kind of closed up with Bendis' entire run at Marvel to lead into Dan Slott uh, taking over the Iron Man book. Uh, Incredible Hulk number 717 uh, could have been close. Doctor Strange 390 could have been close. Because it just so happens that this week is all these books that are coming out that like here are the end of these runs before the new writers come and take them over. But because the Bendis final, final issue at Marvel, at least for now... I think is a pretty big deal. Right. And looking over these lists, Joe, I just noticed something that total to date, I just hit comma money this week. Uh, well, I don't typically put commas when it's 1,000. Usually it has to be two numbers, then a comma for me. No, there's isn't there always a comma in between a, the, the fourth number and the third number in a, the first and second number? 1,000 would be one comma not that you have to put a comma in there, but that's what I call comma money. Oh, okay. Either way once, is acceptable. Right. Once you hit a thousand, you have comma money on you. So you have two comma money, then you're living. So again, no movement on the board. I got one right. Todd got one right, but uh, either way, uh, no, you got one wrong. Oh, I got one wrong. So it's tied. Listen to me. I'm. Yeah, I'm like, look at you trying to up. cheat. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh I tried to God. sneak one by you. You did. You totally. Oh, my God. You, you, it's not just winning. you got to win dirty. Is that uh, what the Enos has invented? Yes, big and little Enos Burdett. That was their motto. That'll make sense when you listen to After Dark this week. Right. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out everything else that we have over there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of the aforementioned After Dark, uh, the collection of the hit 2017 sensation of Todd and Joe Have Issues, everything that Todd and I have ever done on the internet exists over at longboxheroes.com, as is all the merch that we have, whether you want a shirt or a sticker or an enamel pin with our fancy logo on it, they could be purchased over at longboxheroes.com in the little store button. And I have to double check. I think I didn't, I never took the deal out of there of the uh, combo. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll, we'll see if any of those get purchased to see if I forgot to do that. Right. Um, but if you don't want to purchase a, a shirt, a sticker, or a pin, and we do thank you if you have in the past, they make great gifts. Memorial Day is coming up. Father's Day is coming up. These are great gifts to give out to people. You can also buy any other gift in the world through our Amazon click-through. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It gives us a little bit of a kickback on the back, on the back end, kickback on the back end. That's rolls right off the tongue as an advertising fee for us directing you to Amazon because, of course, you would have never known Amazon existed if it wasn't for us directing you there. Right. We are Amazon directors. Yes. 
Uh, some of the notable purchases through our Amazon click-through this past week. Uh, someone, I'm guessing the same person, purchased books entitled The Mysterious World of Doctor Strange and Black Panther The Ultimate Guide, brushing up on their knowledge of those two essential characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Something about a joke about those books turning to dust as they arrive at your home. <laughs> I don't want to go. Oh, you have to. <laughs> saying that twice. Uh, someone also purchased... Uh, Volkswagen emblem covers replacements for key fobs. Sounds like dirty hippies mm-hmm. with their Volkswagen buses. And uh, I think this was the same person last week who po- purchased those books on the keto diet. Uh, someone also purchased Nurse Hattie ketone strips. Now, people will tell you, Todd, that the Keto diet means you can just go to Wendy's and buy a Baconator, throw out the bun, and enjoy. But I think there's a little bit more to it than just that. I don't know. It sounds like my kind of diet. I think you might have to say no mayo and no ketchup. But what do I know? I don't no dub- have no ketone strips. No, no double, huh, no double cheese, Pluto. Huh. <laughs> you know, if Bobby Eaton got there and he intimidated the people behind the counter. You could have got the first ever quadruple Wendy's burger. I think. uh... What are the the frozen treats they have at Wendy's? The they're not ice cream. The, they're not blizzards either. They're I forget what they're called, but they're fifty frosty, cents this week. Frosty, Fro- Frosties. I think a small frosty is only fifty cents this week. No way. Let's go. Let's go. What's your What's your choice? Chocolate or vanilla? Um, chocolate. Come on, vanilla is a waste of my time. Whoa, vanilla here, brother. I know once in a while they would do different flavors, but I don't go in for that as well. You go with the original flavor, and that's it. As long as they're not filthy creamies, that's all I care about. Oh, boy. Not on my watch, they aren't. Not on my Uh, dime, either. Oh, I'm not going to say nothing. So, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did have some art attacks this week. Um, From Tristan Crocker, whose handle is Dirt. At Dirt Eep, I don't know, I guess that's how you say it. Um, he had a protector uh, commission, his friend did, which we were mentioning on the show last week from the cards. That was the replacement for Robin, was it? On the, the Oh, yeah, the, yeah. That was uh, what he was. He, he left a comment, actually, on the uh, show post from last week about this as well, kind of going into a little bit more information about why and where the protector came from. Mm-hmm. And I don't know uh, who the robot is, though. We never got the answer. That has a name. Did we get I've a... seen. Yeah. I've seen that robot tons of times, but I, as you said, to, as you answered him, I didn't know it had a name. So uh, hopefully we'll get that somewhere. Um. Also, Euronymous, super mega contributor, uh, found another little guardian sketch on the back of a backing uh, board. So I don't know who does Little Guardians off the top of my head. I forgot. And Rich Grimmel, Grimmel, I'm not sure how you say his name, uh, picked up a countdown page um, from number nine, penciled by some schlub named Tom Durenick and inked by Wayne Foucher. <laughs> oh, no, Tom Durenick, he's a wonderful guy. Um, but that's a nice little page, and he hopes to get it signed Someday, if he's ever in the comic shop, maybe Tom will be sitting there at the table and he could he can wander up and get it signed, or maybe at a con sometime. Well, you know, uh, 
Rich picked that. He said he picked that up at Three Rivers Con last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's uh, quite a ways away from where we are. Uh, well, no, that's just in Pittsburgh. That's not too far of a, a hike for Rich to come up this way or Tom to go down that way for a convention. But, you know. Or just a signature. Sure. I'd like to see Tom drive down, do a signature, and drive home. <laughs> Maybe when he drives us to C2E2, we can stop by. Oh, there you go. That's a good idea. Right. Uh, so I know I mentioned the mailbag question, but we're going to skip the mailbag question just because we're running a little bit longer than we'd like to. Um, we do have TV talk, of course. Did I forget anything else before we get into TV talk, Todd? I don't think so. I know you have to give your time or people will be mad. Right. So I'm going to give just a little bit of a time so people can get spoiled on the second to last episodes of both uh, for this season, of course, because Krypton got picked up for a second season. Woo! Yay! More Krypton. Yay, Krypton. And we'll kind of get my feelings on uh, on that with this week's episode. But, um, you know, if you're looking for something to do this weekend and you're in the greater Cleveland area, uh, you cannot do worse than going to Root Beer Wrestling's uh, two-day, three-show event, the JD Lightning Invitational Tournament. Uh, singles tournament action over those two days, and then the afternoon show on Saturday is the Chandler Biggins Memorial Tag Team Cup with some of the uh, best up-and-coming tag team wrestlers uh, in the world, and I'm sure the good folks at Smartmark Video have those available for you in a very quick turnaround uh, if you can't be in the greater Cleveland area this weekend, but uh, I cannot, but uh, maybe unrelated, uh, if you're looking for something a little bit more in the moment, a little bit more something as it's happening. Uh, Chikar is having their Anniversario show this weekend with a lot of big matches uh, going on. Maybe you're a Chikaratopia subscriber. Maybe you aren't. I think you can get a free seven-day trial if you've never been. Uh, this would be a great weekend to check Chikar out if you've never done before. Or maybe you have in the past and stopped for some reason and decided to go back. Maybe this would be the weekend to do it. So, moving on to TV talk... Krypton, second to last episode there, uh, really raising the stakes here, Todd. Mm-hmm. And I felt, personally, now, I watched the episode, of course, I, I try to watch the episodes as close to our recording time as possible, so I retain as much of the information as possible. Right, your colander brain can only hold so much. That's right, My, I have the head of an Etch-A-Sketch, I move and everything just disappears. <laughs> right. Um... So, there seemed to be a lot happening in this episode to set mm-hmm. things up as though we could leave things closed here in the next episode if we don't get picked up for the season. Or it's kind of sort of open-ended where if we do get picked up for a second season, we could keep going with some of these plot threads. Right. Uh, of course, there's uh, Seg... And um, Nyssa are attempting to align the Kryptonian army, who are named the... Uh, I know the... Uh, I do know the, the, the Sagittari. Right. Sagittari. Sagittari, to try to get them to work together with Black Zero to bring down the voice of House slash Brainiac, which we all kind of sort of know that he is at this point. Then, of course, you've got Lyda, who, of course, is having the issues with her mother, but decides to go with her son, our General Zod, in this little particular 
iteration of Superman stuff to attempt to free Doomsday. To take down Brainiac, with the thought being, this thing, Doomsday, is programmed to take down whatever the strongest thing around is. I'll take out Brainiac, and then hopefully we'll figure out the rest from there. Which is a pretty (laughs) terrible plan. Which, but I think is, Zod knows what he's doing. Like, Zod has, like, as much as we think it's stupid, I think Zod has a greater plan, and that's where uh, Lyda ends up having the problem with her mom, is the mom realizes that Zod probably wants to rule Krypton, and they end up having a fight to uh, Zod and Lyda's mother to do that whole honor thing where whoever wins gets to control the Sagittari, and it's uh, the Zod's about to kill... Uh, Lyda's mother and Lyda ends it by shooting her mother in the side, thus, you know, taking Zod's side, which I thought was really interesting. Like, that's a really weird turn that, you know, I want to see where it goes. So Very unexpected and also unexpected, I would say. Maybe this is just me, but they add the new wrinkle in here. Because we learned a few episodes ago to open up the chamber that Doomsday is in, you need both the blood of an L and a blood of a Zod. Our General Zod is able to open it himself. He strongly alludes to that uh, Seg is his father. Right. Which in turn makes General Zod and our Superman related. Which I and think is a new bit of business here in uh, the Superman mythos. Right. I don't ever think they've been related, but it could be a lie that he's Zod, too. You know what I mean? Right. Just because he had, we're all biting on it that he had the, the necklace or whatever it was, that doesn't mean he isn't lying. You know what I mean? So we'll see. Well, he's obviously a Zod and an L. Right. But is he je- because he was able to use his blood to open up the thing, right? Right, unless he used a trick knife, because now they're saying that Seg's grandfather might be alive. Mm-hmm. They tease that as well, even though he's been talking to us uh, through the powers of the Fortress of Solitude. Now, what if, what if he's he might still be related to like a distant relative to 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 Superman? But what if somehow? Uh, Seg's grandfather, the hologram, who might still be alive, slept with somebody in the Zod family, and he's a, and that's how it, it's passed down. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on here, Todd. Gee, I don't know if you know what I'm trying to I say. I do. But, I do. So maybe that's it's his his. So I don't know. But, but we'll they're see. building up. They're building up a lot of stuff, you know, in preparation for a second season. But also, this is stuff. It's like, nah. Well, it was kind of teased. And it's not like I'm going to be upset if the show ended up getting canceled, but it didn't. It's going to continue, so I'm very happy about that. Right. Uh, so, and also, oh, they do a little bit more to strengthen up the love triangle with uh, Seg. Right, but I think he's off Lida now. Uh, is he? I think he is. But on top of that, because Lida shot her mother and she wandered out into the like the the, the snow or whatever... Uh, she ends up, is that her brother that she thought she killed all those years ago? Left yes. to die? So there's, that's going on. And then on top of it, um, 
Brainiac has dropped the dome that was around the protective dome that was around Candor. And I guess Brainiac is like full on Brainiac is there now, like downloaded into the, uh, into the, the voice of Rao's body because it looks like our version of, you know, the Brainiac we all know and love. Right. Green skin, tubes in the head, but none up the nose. That's right. You can't have that. Somebody too. But, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm like I, I'm I'm good. I'm enjoying. I, I've thoroughly been enjoying uh, Krypton, and I think it, like you said it before, like the bar was set so low for us. But I still think it's interesting storytelling, and we're not beholden to like what we think Superman is. Like mm-hmm. you know what I'm trying to like where it's like oh well this could be like people shooting each other in the face, and you know no like and gloom and doom because. We all know how Krypton's going to end. So we're fine with it. Now, the last thing I want to say is this, I'm almost certain, was the first episode that didn't have any swearing in it. Oh, well, they need to get back on that horse, the swear horse. Because that's what Superman needs, more swearing. They should bring Deadpool over. Oh, boy. And he could swear to his heart's content. Mm Mm-hmm. Swearpool. Just like in the comics. And swear hell. All right, so last but not least is the second-to-last episode this season of The Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeVoe makes his final move. He infiltrates Argus. He sets up a death trap so that Barry and the crew can't get to him. And he's getting prepared to launch the satellites. And because he's going to have um, Borman, Fallout, whatever his name is, go critical mass. Mm-hmm. While that's going on, uh, Flash is attempting to teach um, Cisco and Caitlin on using part of the Speed Force so that they could assist him in taking out the traps, stopping DeVoe so he could jump into the wormhole with them and get to where DeVoe is, as well as you've got Iris and a dumbing-down Harry Wells attempting to try to find where Marlies is, yet, yet further again... We have the fifth subplot of <laughs> Joe and Cecile uh, dealing with the further changes of her powers as the script and plot dictate them to need be. Right. Can you figure out which one I thought was the weakest of the story arcs? Wells and Iris? No, I thought the Wells stuff was good, even though from they need to figure out from scene to scene is he confused by chairs or not <laughs> cuz sometimes he was very confused by how a chair worked and what it was and then other <laughs> scenes he seemed to be much more on the ball which isn't in line with what they've set up the deterioration of of his powers the more that he thinks the dumber he gets he even at one point he's like no 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 I'm good I'm thinking clearly right now it's like no you're by you thinking clearly means you're becoming more of a dumb guy. See, he is a dumb guy. Then. But my, my, I, I'm just going to get my biggest gripe out of the way was when Wells ticks off Iris and she goes home and he goes to the house. He knocks on the wrong door and she, you know, she, she, he comes over and he just walks in. He's like, Oh, well you're coming in. You know, I'm mad at you. And he's like, well, we have to find where he, where he is. And she's like, would you please, st- uh, Char- Charlize was her name? Marlies. 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 You have to find where Marlies is. She's like, but you know, I have ideas. And she's like, 
would, would you please stop? Cause you're tracking mud all around my apartment. And this is our first home that I had with Barry. And I feel safe here. And I'm like, Oh God, just you're hammering this home so bad. I'm like, is, is Marlise at her first home with the thinker where that was? Could it, and she does that whole like, yes, that thing. And I'm like, that was so, if you think we have ham fisted segues on this show, that was, that was like four hams and 10 eggs. It was just so bad. So bad. A lot of people had a, had a lot of folks in this episode had a little to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And they didn't do much with the little they were given. Sad. Right. And then we found out that Killer Frost has been in Caitlyn since she was a little girl and got her leg tangled in her bike. Now, is this new information as well? I, I have yes. a question. Bef- okay, because, uh, well, not so much that she has always had Killer Frost inside of her, but the fact that <laughs> there was an issue where, like, she had, like, physical or mental abuse with her dad? I don't know. She's blocking memories. That's all we know right. at this point. And because up to this point, we thought she got it from the particle accelerator explosion, and then she didn't have it. And then when Flash did uh, uh, Flashpoint, that changed everything and brought they thought brought out her powers from the the explosion. So yeah, up to this point, we've never had anything where Caitlin had powers as a child. Or had anything to do with Killer Frost before the particle accelerator explosion. Right. So, all in all, Barry ends up assisting Caitlin and Cisco to be able to use the Speed Force. They set up their little things because there's electrified plates inside the hallway at Argus. Barry is going to steal the electricity from them to give himself a boost so he can go through the wormhole. But, uh, DeVoe has people suspended above them so that they will feel the electrocution and possibly die. Uh, Caitlin and Cisco put ice and wormholes, uh, breaches underneath them to save all of those people. Barry gets through. He throws the gimmick that they got from Amunit Black last, last episode to take out one of the five satellites. But it doesn't matter because DeVoe just shows up at Team Flash's headquarters, takes over the Star, uh, the Star Lab satellite, and DeVoe wins because his thing goes to plan, and I don't know why there's an episode this week because DeVoe won last week. Maybe they'll get Marlies to help because of the mud track through Iris's apartment. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, listen, you have to stop this. Why do I have to stop this? Because he tracked mud through my house where I'm having the, my first place with my husband where I feel safe, just like you feel safe here. She'll be like... I'm in, Iris. And you should definitely be team leader because Aww. of all this insight. No, but I do think that uh, Iris did do a much better job when she was doing her convincing of Marlise, kind of like bringing her words back to her mm-hmm. to say, like, you were optimistic at once. You felt this way, and DeVoe changed you, but now that you've left DeVoe, come back to your old ways and help us. Right. And they kind of leave that as a cliffhanger, but like I, I thought the like they leave that as a cliffhanger, but the cl- bigger cliffhanger is Devoe's in the thing. He's in Wells' secret um, room with uh, Gideon, and he takes over the satellite, and his plan comes off. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happens next, Todd. Dare um, I click the next button on M to B? I I wouldn't because I think that I think XS or one of the tornado twins is going to help out. Yeah, it just says they get assistance from an unlikely ally. 
Ooh, the French. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm just guessing. All right. So I think that covers everything for real now. I think so too. All right. So closing out. Now look at this, Todd. How how fantastic is this? Next week's episode is episode 400, where we're going to be covering the season finales of both Flash and Krypton on our landmark 400th episode. Right, and we should make it super extra special, Joe, Mm -hmm. by both going to see Deadpool 2, Electric Boogaloo. No. Because Solo comes out this weekend. Are you going to see Solo? Yes. Are you going to take a Solo cup with you when you go? No, I'm going to see if they have... My my Dirt Theater typically doesn't get the special edition cups anymore. (laughs) Right. Uh, But if they do, I will get one. They just go down to the dump and (laughs) try to scavenge old Solo cups. I'll never forget. We went to go see something last year. What were the two Marvel movies last year? Was it... It was Spider-Man and something else. Guardians. Guardians. And they just had they just had Ziploc bags with straws in. No, they had something from the Smurfs movie, which was several months earlier. Well, they got around to it. I guess. Mm. But no, I can't wait to see Solo uh, Star Wars Tale to see how Han Solo gets his smuggler's vest. Because, Todd, what good is a smuggler without a good smuggler's vest? As long as I don't have the Smuggler's Blues by Glenn Frey. Uh, that, I'm, I'm surprised there hasn't been a recut trailer with that song in it. Oh, I would, I would watch that. I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah. But no, Solo comes out this weekend. It's Star Wars. You know, I'm not like, uh, super obsessed about Star Wars like some people are. And, you know, this is one of the tertiary, ancillary side movies. It's not like the big one. It's not an episode, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm no less excited to see it than I am any other um, uh, Star Wars film. Star Wars. I like Star Wars. It's going to have the origin of the Falcon. Mm-hmm. When the Falcon was clean. Mm, when the Falcon was young and sad. Yes. <laughs> oh, my Oh, boy. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to episode 399 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boo!